0: Welcome to It's a Crime, I'm Linda, and today we're going to be doing a video on Charles Vallow and the day he was killed on July 11, 2019. Now there are so many discrepancies to that day, so we're going to explore that in this video, namely the statements and the timeline. I'll cover the aftermath in another video. But before I get into it, if you'd like to be part of the It's a Crime community, please click that subscribe button below. Make sure you hit the notification bell to all. Please like this if you support it and please share this out where you can. Now, let's get into it. On Thursday, July 11, 2019, it was supposed to be a morning where Charles Vallow would go to Lori Vallow's house pick up young JJ, have breakfast together, and then take JJ to school. But that day turned out very, very different. Horrific, in fact. You see, at this point, Charles was actually living in Houston and had been separated from Lori. Lori did go back briefly to Charles... If you can call it that back in spring just months before Charles's death and after her 58-day hiatus she went to Houston to get Charles's financial things in order and she told Melanie Gibb she was going to Houston Melanie says why are you going to Texas when you're trying to run from him Lori tells her well I was told by the Lord I need to get his finances in order Lori was wondering also if Kay was going to get the money. Melanie states that Lori had bet that Charles would change the beneficiary around. Oh, and it's also worth mentioning that before Charles was murdered, someone had changed the password to Charles' account for his life insurance policy. And someone actually even called in and pretended to be Charles. I wonder who orchestrated that. And... Side note. Why would a person wonder who was going to get the money if he died if there were no plans on him dying, right? Far as we know, he wasn't terminally ill or anything like that. So she was getting his finances in order for what? Murder perhaps? We continue on. Then Lori moves back to Arizona without Charles And she moved into the Chandler home where Charles was shot. Now, Melanie Gibb states in her interview that this occurred three weeks before Charles was shot. So, about the third week in June. Now, I would like to add that if this is in fact correct, a week after she moved to Chandler, she wrote that coded email to Chad. I mentioned this a few times and I have that video. I'll put that right here. I will also address that email in this video, so stick around because it's towards the end. Now Melanie says, when she first went to Texas, I'm like, why are you going to Texas? You're going to run from him. So that's a good question, right? And now you're going back and moving back in with him. And she goes, well, I was told by the Lord, I need to get his finances in order. Melanie goes on to say she started wondering, is Kay gonna get the money? Because she now was told by Chad that Kay was a zombie. So she's like, I bet he's going to change it around. And Keith Morrison in this interview says, as for Lori, apparently reassured she was still Charles's beneficiary. She left him again, moved with Tylee and JJ back to suburban Phoenix where Melanie lived. So Charles came to town and was staying at a hotel nearby in Gilbert. Charles texts Lori and lets her know that he's going to be there at around 7.30 a.m. Now, according to a former employee at the Gilbert Hotel, she said Charles was expected to come back with JJ for them to have breakfast, and she said Charles had been staying there for a few weeks. Now, in an interview with Lori's sister, Summer Shiflet, she claims that she had asked Alex to go over to Lori's place, the night before because she was worried about Charles being there. Summer says that Alex's response was Lori is going to be fine she can call me if she needs me. Now Summer said that she had seen 20 to 30 texts from Charles to Lori that ranged from please call me to your end is coming soon. Summer also said that she spent a lot of time with Lori before this happened. Now, also keep in mind at this point, Lori and Chad believes that Charles is Nick Schneider and he turned into a zombie. Alex is also said to believe this as well. So to set the scene for this day, it's Thursday, July 11th, 2019. Lori, Alex, Tylee, and JJ are at the house in Chandler. From what we know, Alex had stayed over. Lori and Alex believe Charles is a zombie, Lori believes at this point that the one million dollar life insurance policy is set in her name and she had sent out a coded email just two weeks before for what I believe was a plot and a plan to kill Charles. Charles is heading over to Lori's to pick up JJ, have breakfast and then drop JJ at school. Here's the actual timeline. 7:30 a.m. Charles was set to arrive. 7:35 to 7:40, Charles actually arrives, according to Lori. She notes that he's usually punctual. Lori also says once Charles got there, he said he's gonna leave in 20 minutes, which would make it around 8 a.m. in and around there. Now 8:20 a.m. Charles is shot according to the police report. At around 8:30, Alex calls 911 and claimed he killed his brother-in-law in in self-defense. 8.30, JJ's bell rings at his school. At 8.36, an hour later from when Charles first arrived, emergency responders are dispatched to the house. Now police are on scene at this point and an officer is talking to Alex and then collecting information from Lori and Tylee after that. Alex seems to get away with murder in this in my opinion, and so does Lori and possibly others who may have been involved, but more on that later. So first, let's talk about Alex's version and his story and his own discrepancies in this, then we'll start comparing the other statements. So after calling 911, authorities show up and Alex walks outside. He then sits on the curb while an officer asks him some questions. Notable is how some of the officer's comments are actually giving suggestions to Alex as to what happened, and he seems to run with them. So he first says that his sister was talking to him, meaning Charles, and then he came at him with a bat. Later, he says they were having a tussle. What
1: happened today? How did it get to this? I don't know. He was enraged. What's going on? What happened? Oh,
2: was talking about my sister earlier.
1: No, what happened today though? Like just in the last 20 just- minutes.
2: He came,
1: to, he came at me with a bat. Okay. He was he living here him. or no. visiting? He came to
2: pick up the
1: son. Okay, is the son inside? No.
2: My sister took him to school.
1: Okay, so it was just you at the house? Yes. And he came, how long, what time did he come to pick up, pick up the son? Uh, I
2: don't
1: know, 20 minutes ago, maybe. Okay, so you know who he is, let him in? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay.
2: No, I think they were talking earlier, than she left, and then he got into it with me.
0: And then he talks about Charles accusing him. He gets up from the curb because the fire truck was too loud. The officer says, get up, come over here. So he starts walking. As he's walking, the police officer is saying, so what is he accusing you of? And there's just dead silence for a good, I don't know how many seconds. And he just walks, la-di-da-di-da, trying to think of what to say, what do I say, what do I say? I don't know, he ends up saying.
2: He got into it with me. Like what? What do you mean? I, I don't know. He was, he was accusing me
1: of. Come on over here. That's, that truck's gonna be really loud. What was he accusing you of? Uh,
2: he was just yelling at me.
1: So. Okay. What was he yelling at you about?
2: Uh, I my sister because I'd broken up the tussle with them earlier. And he told me not to interfere anymore with them or I'd pay.
1: And he came at me with a bat. Okay, so he showed up in the house with a bat in his hand? No. Okay, so. There was a scuffle earlier with my sister and my niece. My niece got involved. About earlier, meaning earlier this week, earlier no, 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 this morning? Just this morning before they left. Before your, your wife left? My sister. Before your sister left? Yeah. Okay, who lives here with you?
2: No, but I don't live here. My sister lives here and
1: my niece lives here. And you're right just here. visiting? I
2: was visiting for
1: the night. OK, so you're over here visiting your sister and yes. your niece. Yes. OK, and there was a tussle between your sister and her husband. Yes. And does the husband live here or no? No. OK. OK, is he an ex-husband or just current husband? Uh, they're working on that. Gotcha. So at some point earlier today, they get into a some type of domestic? Yeah,
2: just this morning, then they left, and then he came.
1: They left meaning who? Both of parties? My,
2: yeah, yeah, my sister took my niece and my nephew. Okay, so they left. Create some space from him and then
1: he came me. Okay, but did he leave also? No. He stayed here? He
0: stayed. Then he says they left, meaning Lori, Tylee, and JJ, and then Charles came at him with a bat. And the, then the officer gives him another suggestion. Well, did you say something like, hey, don't touch my sister? And Alex goes, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I said, yeah, yeah.
1: Say something like, hey, don't touch my sister. Or, yeah,
0: okay. Now, also, how can Tylee come at them with a bat if Alex is saying they had already left? Discrepancy. Okay. And then
1: he picked up the bat. Where was the bat at? In
2: the living room.
0: He then says that Charles picked up the bat. Well, if Tylee has the bat, I think the wording would be different. Then then he picked up the bat. I thought Tylee had the bat. Then Alex mentions in the video about Charles coming in in a rental car and then Lori leaving with Charles's rental car. That should be a question all in itself in Lori's statement, but that's not in there from what I've read. Alex says there's a verbal argument that Tylee poked at Charles. Charles took it away. He says, I stepped in and told them they need to separate. he said they left around 20 minutes ago and then he said Charles is coming back at me and he still has the bat in his hand we were in the living room Alex says what are you doing to Charles and then he says then I turned around and he hit me in the back of the head with a bat and so I went to my room got my gun because I always carry it
1: so you both so you get in an argument what is it over Wait a minute! I thought you said your niece left. She did. This is before. Okay. So before before your uh, your sister and your niece left. Yeah. At some point, uh, your sister and her husband are arguing. Yes. Verbal argument. And then your niece pulls out a bat.
2: Well, it wasn't verbal. I mean, he was getting close, and she came out to defend my sister with her bat. Your niece. Yes. Okay. And then she poked at him, and then he took it away. Okay. And then. I stepped in and told them they needed to separate. Right. So then my sister leaves with my niece.
1: And how long ago did they leave? It's been like an hour, 10 minutes? Twenty minutes maybe, I don't know. Okay. So it's not, not not terribly not, long. No, no, no. Oh, okay. And then uh and then
2: he's he's coming back at me and he's still got the bat in his hand like, what are you doing?
1: And where are you at it? Where are you We're both in the at? Living room, okay.
2: And then Turned around and he hit me in the back of the head with a bat. So I went to my room
1: and got my gun. So you went to your room, meaning the room you're you're staying in.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. And you brought your, I brought a gun with you. Yes. You always bring a gun. I conceal carry always. Okay.
0: How can you say that you ask Charles what are you doing, and then that's worthy of? Oh geez, I better go saunter and go get my gun out of the bedroom. Because that's self-defense, right? And if someone has a bat at you, why would you turn around in that moment? If he's about to use the bat, you're not going to turn around. I smell something and it's definitely not roses. Then the officer says, do you always bring a gun? He says, yep, just to be safe. And let's just time out again for a second alex brings his gun to laurie's house he stays the night even though they're planning on something fun to do that next day but according to alex he always has his gun and wants to be safe well alex has a criminal record and he tased joseph ryan laurie's former husband who's also dead and he spent jail time for tasing joseph and Joseph is Tylee's biological father and Laurie's third husband. Like I said, he's dead. So a little lookup of his history would show that he has a history of attacking Laurie's ex-husbands. But I guess the rules don't apply to him here. And he can carry a gun, go kill someone, phone up, claim self-defense, and carry on. Just like they said would play out in Laurie's coded email. Alex continues, I told him to put the bat down and he wouldn't and he came at me again. Officer says, Did you stay in your bedroom? No. Then the officer suggests to him, Is that something you just didn't think about or didn't even occur to me? He says, Well, thank you, officer, for filling in his blanks.
1: Did you stay in your bedroom? No. Okay, why didn't you stay just in your bedroom and close the door? Is that something you didn't think about or? Okay, so walk me through it. So you go back into your room. So
2: I just went back to the living room. i like, what is your problem?
1: With the gun again. Yes. Head. And I
2: said, I no, want you to put that bat down. And he wouldn't do it. And he's like, do you? and he came at me with the bat again after he'd already hit me in the head. So I
1: shot him to stop him. Okay, and then what happened? What was it?
0: That... Okay. Alex says, he came at me again with a bat again after he already hit me. And he came at me with the bat again. I shot him to stop him, told him to stop it. Officer says, then what happened? Alex says, that was it. So Alex grabs his gun and Charles is going to come at Alex with a bat while Alex is holding a gun. And Alex earlier said he turned around and Charles came at him and gave him the little boo-boo on his head pretty sure if it was a little more substantial he wouldn't be doing one of these in my opinion so the officer says after you shot him you put it in the room meaning the gun he says i went back to my bedroom to get my phone officer says then what did you do i cleaned my head up he was laying there still it took me a minute to compose myself I mean, I was just shaken, and then I called.
1: Where's the weapon at now? Uh, it's in the bedroom. You, so after you shot him, you put it back in the room, or?
2: Yeah, I went back to the bedroom to get my phone.
1: Okay. And what'd you do with your phone? It's uh, right here. Okay. And then what'd you do once you put your gun back? Um. grabbed your phone. I
2: cleaned my, uh, cleaned my head up.
1: After you, was he laying there in the living
0: yeah, room? Yeah, he was
2: laying there still. It just took me a minute to compose myself. I mean, I was just shaking, and then I called.
1: Gotcha. Okay.
0: So Alex shoots Charles. He's now laying in the living room. Alex then goes to his room to put the gun in there, grabs his phone, goes and cleaves his head, and then calls 911 because in his words, he needed to compose himself. I guess someone dying to Alex, time really isn't of the essence. He has to worry about the boo-boo first. And side note, In my opinion, why resuscitate a zombie in Alex's eyes, right? So then the officer gives a little summary, and here's what he understood, and it's on police body cam. He says, Lori and the kids left, and then Alex and Charles are alone in the house. That's what he relays to the other officer on body cam. Here's what the authorities' statement says. On July 11 2019 at 8 36 hours patrol responded to a shooting call at 5531 south four peaks place an altercation ensued as a result of a domestic disturbance one subject died as a result of the shooting the decedent went to the listed address to pick up his seven-year-old son and take him to school an argument ensued between him and his estranged wife in an effort to defend her mother a female juvenile tried to fend off the decedent With a baseball bat, the decedent took the bat from the juvenile and began swinging it. The shooter, the decedent's brother-in-law, intervened and was struck with the bat on the back of his head. The shooter then went into a bedroom and retrieved a handgun. He confronted the decedent and demanded that he leave. Armed with a bat, the decedent moved aggressively towards the shooter, at which time the shooter fired at least twice in what he described as self-defense. The shooter was released after his interview and this case will be reviewed by the MCAO. Now, from my research, I never saw any statement that Alex demanded Charles to leave. We didn't even hear him say that on body cam. Also, Charles wanted to leave because he wanted to take JJ to school. So of course he wanted to go. He wanted to go and have breakfast with JJ. It wasn't like he wanted to stay also in the statement it says that the shooter fired at least twice the shooter was released after his interview and this case will be reviewed well it's more like four shots we will discuss that in the next video now important points to note in alex's statement he contradicts himself it's clear he states that Lori and Tylie were gone and he was left alone with charles and then said that Tylie had the bat and poked charles charles picked up the bat Even though he said that Tylee had the bat, the cop gave him suggestions and Alex went with it, in my opinion. He wouldn't answer the officer when he asked what Charles accused him of. He couldn't even think of it. He walked for how many seconds with no answer and then just said, I don't know. Okay then, Alex. So next, let's move on to Lori's statement. One thing to note before I read it. Is that Lori does a lot of projecting in this statement in my opinion. She has in the past. She's accused Charles of cheating when she's the one who's cheating. She takes away things from JJ and then she's blaming others that they're taking things away. So keep that in mind as I read it. You can let me know what you think in the comments below. I'll also be pointing out the discrepancies. Here we go. Strap on your smirks. The interview with Lori began at approximately 9.43 hours after Lori had used the restroom. I obtained some personal information from Lori initially and confirmed that Lori lived at the residence where the incident occurred. I asked Lori to tell me what happened starting at what worked for her and I would probably ask questions. Lori stated she had moved into this house three weeks ago because he, the deceased, had offered to get the house here where her family was and indicated they had been in Houston. Lori advised they had decided to separate and her husband had said he would get a house for her and JJ. Lori stated the deceased was all about JJ but it was never about Tylee. Lori advised they had adopted JJ together and JJ was actually her husband's great nephew and had been a drug baby. Lori advised that her husband travels all the time for business and he's always back and forth. Lori said her husband came the first time when she first moved from Houston and brought her some things and he hadn't been back, but it's all these threats. Lori mentioned it was on her phone all the time and I asked about these threats. Lori said I would have to see them, but he was always mad at her. Lori said he didn't want a divorce, but she didn't like him and didn't want to deal with him. Lori said they had been married for 14 years and she has dealt with it for 14 years and he was always been horrible to her pointing to the room where Tylee was. Laurie said he was always getting into huge fights with Tylee, and it was a lot of things. Laurie states that there's all these threats, which Laurie at this point threatened to murder Charles if he gets in her way and she'll have an angel to dispose of his body. Projection number one. And that Charles was always mad at her. But according to Melanie Gibb in the interview, she says...
2: So he was you know, trying to do things to help her and please her. And she seemed like she was uh, struggling to um, be happy by that. Like she, she seemed a little often frustrated with him. They they had something going on that I didn't quite understand. But there, there seemed to be a lot of um, contention between the two of them.
0: Lori said he told her all of a sudden that he was coming Wednesday night and he wanted to see JJ. Lori indicated that she had told him that she would never keep JJ from him, that he could come see JJ whenever he wanted, take him to school, whatever. I asked about when she had initially left and that he had said he was going to buy her a house and Lori corrected me, that he had said he was going to rent her a house and she indicated all her family is here. Lori advised they lived here for a long time and then he moved them to Houston. Lori advised they were there with their son and their son didn't have anything, didn't have his school or services or anything. Lori indicated her husband ripped their son out of school and said they were moving and Lori advised she didn't go with them at first. Lori said Charles took their son and Lori let him take their son and she didn't file anything. Lori then advised that he, Charles, filed something and told Lori that she was only going to get supervised visits because she was crazy. Lori said she just didn't talk to him for like 30 days and let him take care of their son to let her husband see what she's been doing for the last seven years. Lori mentioned that she has other kids and grandkids. Lori seemed annoyed that he had threatened she would only have supervised visits of her child and mentioned that and she left him to take care of the child for 30 days to see what it was like and she knew he would be begging her to pick him up, which she stated he did. A few interesting points. Lori mentions about the order here that Charles filed and being crazy. Lori said she just didn't talk to Charles for like 30 days and let him take care of their son. Wrong. Lori was actually gone for 58 days without communication. And Lori mentioned that she has other kids plural and has grandkids plural, so according to my understanding, Lori had only other one other child, Colby, and he had just had one baby. So I'm not sure the extra kids and the extra grandchildren. Also, I'm curious if they actually looked up the order that was going on about Lori being cray-cray and what happened with that. Clearly, nothing. We continue on. Lori stated he asked her to come back, so Lori moved in with them to Houston for the family. Lori said Tylee went with her and they left everything to go to Houston. Lori talked about the problems with getting services for their son and talked about how her husband didn't do anything. Lori indicated her husband hadn't been here in a couple weeks since her moving and he had been nasty when he was here. Lori advised he travels for work and that he had got back to the Houston house. Lori stated he contacted her and said he was coming Wednesday night and said he was going to pick JJ up and take him to school Thursday and then pick him up Thursday and take him Friday. Lori appeared fine with that but stated she told him that he couldn't come stay at the house because he couldn't get along with Tylee. Lori stated that Tylee is a minor and she lives there and that he gets in huge fights with Tylee and Tylee hates him. Lori told him that he couldn't stay at the house and she said she would book him a hotel. Lori advised he stays in hotels all the time when he travels for work and the business pays for it, so Lori told him that she would book him a hotel nearby we talked briefly about what he does for a living and where he travels mentioning that they had lived in hawaii Lori stated his job gives him freedom so he doesn't have to stay home every day and take care of a special needs child lori indicated she does that mentioning that she was a single mom before they got married lori stated she has two kids and he had two kids and they got married and tried to make a family Lori indicated her husband had told her that he was coming last night and Lori told him that he couldn't stay at the house and she would get him a hotel. Lori stated that JJ does go to school all day and she talked about how she is getting his services back. Lori talked about how JJ has been a nightmare because her husband ripped JJ out of his routine and mentioned that he only thinks of himself. Lori described how JJ freaks out when he finds out Dad is coming because he associates when Dad took him to Houston so Lori didn't tell JJ that he was coming. Lori stated he didn't bother her last night, which she said was kind of surprised about because she was expecting kind of an ambush that he would just come over and be just mean. Lori was expecting him to say that it was his house and he was on the lease so he could stay here, that kind of thing. Lori said that is his macho kind of attitude. Well, there's discrepancy again. According to the Gilbert Hotel employee, Charles was staying there for the last few weeks. And unless Lori didn't know about that, but Charles was in town. So I highly doubt that Charles wouldn't have made it known that he was there because he'd want to see his kids or JJ. Lori states that she would be the one to book Charles a hotel. Mm, Doubt it lori mentioned that he only thinks of himself projection again she was also expecting kind of an ambush and he would come over and just be mean then lori contradicts herself by saying that she was expecting him to say that this was his house and he was on the lease so he could stay there well if lori booked the hotel for him why would she expect him to say that this is his house if the hotel was already booked and he was staying there, right? Lori stated he came this morning and she was getting JJ ready. I confirmed that he came last night and she indicated yes, but that she didn't hear from him except that he texted her to say he would be there at 7.30 to pick up JJ. Lori said okay and that it was good because she didn't hear from him. Lori said he came over in the morning and he was banging on the door. So Lori doesn't hear from him for the whole day, but Charles just shows up banging at the door. If you call knocking, banging, Laurie, whatever. Laurie said he came over in the morning and he was banging on the door. Laurie said, here we go, so she was just trying to be nice and had JJ's stuff ready for school. I asked what time he got there and Laurie stated he had said he would be there at 7.30, but it was more like 7.40, 7.35-ish, but she wasn't sure. Laurie remembers looking at the clock at 7 30 and indicated he is usually very punctual. Lori said JJ acknowledged dad and then ran to her and stated he wasn't taking him to school. Lori's telling JJ that was okay and daddy could drive him to school and she was just trying to make things calm. Lori said her husband was just being real smirky and real jerky to her so Lori was ignoring. And another projection. I asked if Lori's brother lives there with them and Lori advised no. Lori said her brother had stayed there last night because Lori was worried her husband would come over and cause trouble with her. Lori said she just wanted someone else there, wanted her brother there. Lori said she trusts her brother. Lori advised it was a long story but she had to go live at her brother's when her husband took JJ and that he has been difficult. Lori said she was getting JJ's stuff ready and he was saying he was leaving in 20 minutes, mentioning it was 15 minutes to school. Lori mentioned that you can't get there early because they don't open the gates until about 8.20 or something. Lori suggested to him that they go now because she didn't want him in the house so they could go to Burger King and get breakfast. Lori advised that JJ is very particular about food and he wants chicken fries and a Sprite for breakfast. Here again, Lori is saying that she asked Alex to be there because she was worried that he would cause trouble for her. Alex didn't mention that at all. In his statement or his words on body cam, he stayed over because he just wanted to do something fun for the day and so he stayed overnight. He also said that he was on vacation that week. And here's the distance from Alex's house to Lori's. It's about a half an hour drive. Now, on to her statement about the school. She said Charles said that he was going to leave in 20 minutes because it's about 15 minutes to the school. And Lori said that the gates open at 8.20 or something. Charles gets there at 7.35 or 7.40, according to Lori. That would make 20 minutes at around the 8 a.m. mark. Now, here's a fun fact. The school actually opens at 8 a.m. Burger King, though, is actually on the way. To the school and the school's about a 20 minute drive but according to the employee Charles was going to take JJ to the hotel for breakfast and if that's the case my bet is Charles actually showed up on time at 7:30 a.m as he's usually on time and punctual and he's expected to leave right away with JJ so that he could take him back to the hotel have a quick breakfast and then go to JJ's school and drop him off after that Charles actually planned to look for places in the area, and he had an appointment to do so. Now, another thing I want to point out, Lori was a fitness instructor, according to what April Raymond said, and we do know Lori competed in fitness competitions. She's fit. That means she would know about nutrition. Now, I find it shocking, in my own opinion, that she was going to feed or suggested that JJ eat chicken fries and a sprite before going to school. Those of you who are familiar with children or people on the autism spectrum or ADHD, diet plays a huge role in your behavior, in your emotions, in how you feel, etc., etc., etc. And really food plays a huge role in any human being. But Lori knows about nutrition and that to me isn't something you would give a child before going to school, in my own opinion, especially if you know about nutrition and she's certainly taking care of herself, but clearly not taking care of JJ. So let's just add that one also to the books. She's also saying to Charles, you can't get there too early because the gates don't open until her imaginary time and also she wants him to leave. So which one is it? Lori told her husband to go and he agreed so Lori gave him the backpack and they got in the car. Lori stated her husband always leaves something in the house, that he always comes back and he never leaves the first time and she always expecting her husband to come back in the house. Lori advised he had left his phone on the counter. I asked that he had initially left with JJ and Lori confirmed that he had put JJ and the backpack in the car in the driveway and then had come back in. Lori said she kissed JJ goodbye And her husband came back in. Lori said his phone was on the counter and then Lori had his phone. He told Lori to give him his phone and she told him, why don't you show me your text that you've been texting? Lori said he's actually been acting weird like he's been plotting something. Lori questions as to why he was here, why he was in town, and then brought up that he's been talking to her other brother who came in town at the same time. Lori advised that she hasn't talked to her other brother Adam in a long time and her husband was texting him and she was questioning as to why they talk and if they talk. Lori said her husband has been saying all these texts like you're going down and such and that he is blaming her for the marriage breaking up and other marriages around them calling her a destroyer of families. Her statements are so interesting it's almost like she's telling on herself like Chad did the day that Tylee was found in the pet cemetery here she is saying that charles is acting weird and like he's been plotting something she talks about adam and their text on charles phone well two weeks before this charles forwards to adam her concocted email and tells adam that laurie's up to something he also mentions that he's going to go try and contact tammy also here laurie is talking about charles actually left with jj to go into the car and then came back into the house interestingly we didn't hear that from alex at all everybody else left and alex and charles were left alone discrepancies everywhere Lori stated he goes nuts and then indicated that he's gone nuts before and that she and Tylie have had to leave with jj before over the years five times and they've stayed in hotel for two days because he goes nuts Lori said you don't know what's going to set him off Lori stated Tylie is mad at her for always going back Lori mentioned that they have JJ and he has special needs and it is really hard. I asked about what she means when she says he goes nuts. Lori said yelling and screaming and I asked about physical violence. Lori confirmed grabbing and pushing them but never punching them. Lori said he has gotten physical with Tylee and with her grown son. I asked physical how and Lori stated he got into a physical fight with her son when he was 16. So let's now bring Colby into the picture and see what he said in an interview with Justin Lum. Justin says, but overall, would you say this was a solid male role model for you growing up? Colby says, yeah, he was. He was, and he tried really hard, even when he didn't know, he tried really hard to figure it out. I think he really cared about Tylee. I think it's hard to connect. I think they had a hard time just connecting because my mom's attention was focused on Tylee. And then when we got JJ, her attention really focused on JJ. And so Tylee kind of turned into a second mom in a sense, so Tylee started taking care of him. And so Tylee and Charles would kind of butt heads on things for JJ, but Tylee's not the parent. And so that was, I think, one of their power struggles is that Tylee wanted to do things for JJ like a parent. She felt that role for him. They had a good relationship. He really did put that effort in, but I think the disagreements were between the chain of command, who he was. Not overstepping boundaries with my mom to her daughter, right? And so it kind of created a struggle. Justin says, but nothing to the extent of where, oh, could he be hurtful or harmful to her? And Colby says, No, I don't think so. Justin says, you never saw it? Colby said, no. Back to her statement. Lori stated her husband went after Tylee two times in Hawaii, and he went like he was going to hit Tylee, but Lori got in between. Lori said Tylee was 13 and 14 at the time. I returned the conversation to this morning, and Lori said he came back in, and she wouldn't give him back his phone. And he was screaming at her to give him back his phone lori said he was very worried about whatever was on the text that he didn't want her to see lori said she was just holding it there and he was screaming at her lori said she was kind of walking around the house so he couldn't get it and he was kind of reaching for it lori said Tylie came out of her room upset and she had a bat and Tylie told him to leave her mother alone lori said he is screaming at her Tylie, don't you hit me with that bat Lori said her brother Alex heard the commotion and he came out into the main room. Lori said her husband is screaming and is super upset. Lori doesn't know if Tylee swung at him or what, but he grabbed the bat from Tylee and went to hit Tylee with the bat and she's right there. And her brother is right there and her brother grabbed him from behind to stop him to stop him from hitting Tylee. Lori is motioning with her right arm and Lori said it's to grab him and pull him back. Lori said then they her brother and her husband get into the thing and he's hitting her brother with the bat and they're on the ground like grappling around or whatever. Lori said it happened quickly. I asked if her brother was struck with the bat when they were grappling and Lori stated yes that he was hitting her brother and Lori is swinging her right arm downward. Lori said he was swinging the bat back and forth and they are on the ground. Lori said she is freaking out and is trying to go around and knows JJ is in the car. So according to Lori, Tylee came up with the bat and went after Charles, and Charles said, Tylee, don't hit me with that bat, and then Alex comes into the room. Well, according to Alex, he saw Tylee poke the bat at Charles. Also, according to Lori, Alex grabbed Charles from behind to stop him from hitting Tylee. But in Alex's story, he asked Charles, what are you doing? And then he said he turned around and then left the room. There's no mention about grabbing Charles, no mention about grappling on the ground. Lori said he, her husband, gets up and he has the bat towards her and is motioning with her right hand as if a person would be swinging backhanded. Lori said she was going around the other side because she is trying to get out of his range so he couldn't hit her. Lori begins to say that she told Tylee and then explains that Tylee is on the ground because when he took the bat from Tylee, she fell back. Lori told Tylee to get in the car with JJ because she didn't want JJ coming in and she wanted Tylee out and didn't want the kids in the house for whatever this fight was going to be. I asked her what her husband or brother was yelling through all this and Lori stated get off me and ow and such. But she didn't really remember specifics. Lori stated they weren't many words during the heat of it that she remembered. I confirmed that Tylee went outside and I asked what happened. Lori stated they got up from that and her brother stopped back and then Charles was coming at her with the bat yelling at her to give him his phone. Lori stated she still had the phone in her hand, and all this happened really quickly. Lori went around, kind of the circle, and her brother was there. I asked how Charles was holding the back, and she motioned with her right hand as in a backhand, and she indicated he was holding it backwards with one arm. Lori explained he was holding it a way that if he swung, it would have been swung backwards. Lori said she was kind of turned around, and they all, meaning the three, the the kids were already outside and she heard the gunshot I asked that she heard the shot and she indicated yes I asked if she actually saw the shot or if she just heard it Lori said she had gone around to the kitchen to get away from him and then come back around and I advised her that I had not been inside the residence Lori said she didn't see the shot that she heard it and she came around and she saw him on the ground major discrepancy because Alex stated that they were all in the car and it was just Charles and Alex in the house when this went down major discrepancy in these two statements also Lori keeps talking about Charles's phone and how she had it and he's trying to get it back but why would Charles just put his phone down on the counter I think she stole it possibly stole it from his car or on him and this is what's all going down I don't know there could be Tons of different theories, but at any rate, she's full of you-know-what. It then says, Lori got in the car and they left. I asked about when she came back in and saw him on the ground and asked where her brother was, and I asked if she saw him and where he was at. Lori stated her brother was right in front of Charles, and it all happened very quickly. I asked if her brother said anything to her, and Lori said no, that they were both in shock. Lori went out to check on the kids, and she was going to come back in, but maybe, but she didn't. Lori stated she was in the car for a minute and was wondering what to do and she didn't know what to do. JJ was in the car and Tylee was freaking out. She decided to take him to school and away from the scene. I asked, indicating she might not know this, but asked if she knew at what point her brother had the gun. I asked if he had it when they got in their first fight or did he have to go get it or if she knew that. Lori stated she didn't know. I started to ask another question and then Lori stated she never saw him leave the room but it was all so fast. I asked if her brother normally carried a gun. Lori stated he's a gun person, that he has guns. I asked if she knew that he had a gun with him when he came over and Lori stated no but that she wouldn't be surprised if he did because he's professional with guns. I asked if at any time when Laurie was trying to get away and when he heard the shot, I asked prior to that if she remembered her husband or her brother saying anything. Lori thought about it and said no. Define professional with guns, Lori. I asked if there was anything else that I didn't ask about or we didn't cover that was important. I added that I wasn't there and Lori sat and thought for several moments. Lori stated that he was just so angry, super scary. Lori described how a 16-year-old acts when you take their phone away from them, how they disintegrate. And Lori stated that's how he was acting. Lori stated there was something on his phone that he didn't want her to see and he was freaking out. Lori said he was freaking out to the point where she thought he would hit her in the head with the bat to get the phone. I asked if she thought it was possible that her husband would hurt her and Lori responded, Absolutely. And also Tylee. Lori stated he would never hurt JJ. Lori then added that he did hurt her brother. Lori stated he was going ballistic and it was bad. I indicated I was going to speak with Tylee, but to make sure to let me know if there was anything else. I advised her that another detective was speaking her brother, and I asked if there was anyone that she needed to call. Lori responded that she doesn't know what she would say. I advised her that she could think about it and explain what victim services was, Lori expressed that her daughter has been through so much. We spoke about services for a moment and I brought up JJ and Lori commented that JJ is used to her husband not being there but that JJ would understand if you told him. I left the interview room for a period of time. I returned to the interview room and indicated I would introduce her to the victim services and would allow me to confer with other detectives. I left the room briefly and returned, escorting her to a nearby conference area to allow her to speak with victim services without me. This concluded the interview." And some of these lines in these paragraphs are haunting to me. Laurie reiterates first that Charles was so angry, super scary. And what is haunting to me is this statement. Lori describes how a 16-year-old acts when you take their phone away from them, and how they disintegrate. And it creeps me out because Lori took Tylee's phone away in September because Tylee had been dismembered or disintegrated, so to speak. Just gives me chills. Let's move on to Tylee's statement. The interview with Tylee began at approximately 10-14 hours and I obtained some personal information from Tylee. Tylee is a 16-year-old female and appeared cooperative, calm and understanding of the situation during my contact with her. Tylee did not appear overly emotional and I did not notice any other issues or problems that I believed to interfere with the interview. I asked Tylee if she could tell me what had happened today and told her to start with whatever place made sense, adding that I would probably ask questions. Tylee advised that she she woke up at around 7:50 because she heard yelling right outside her door. Tylie said she immediately jumped up. Tylie stated she has a baseball bat and explained that when she had been living at her uncle's, when she was by herself, she wanted something to feel safer and she's not old enough for pepper spray. I explained to her that I had not been inside the house and asked about where her bedroom door opens to. Tylie explained that the room where her uncle had been staying, the guest room is right there where her room is and then her little brother's room and then the kitchen. Tylie explains it's a little hallway and then there is the area where everything kind of happened. Tylie said it's a big room where there isn't anything but there are mirrors up. Tylee said she immediately jumped up and she got the bat and she opened the door and it was her stepdad outside the doorway and her uncle kind of in the doorway and she could hear her mom behind him. Tylee said her stepdad was screaming at both of them, but she doesn't know what he was saying. Tylee stated she told him to take a few steps back and he told her, don't tell me what to do. Tylee said she stood there and her uncle kind of moved out of the way and her mom kind of went past him and into the big room where everything happened and she kind of walked with them. I asked if they were more in the hallway and Tylee clarified that they were at the end of the hallway. Tylee stated her mom walked all the way around and Tylee followed them. Tylee is describing where people are and stated she didn't really do anything with the baseball bat, that she just kind of held it there. Tylee said they are both yelling and her stepdad tells her if she hits him with the bat, then she's going to jail. Tylie said she just kind of stood there with the bat and I asked who was yelling when she said they were yelling. Tylie stated it was mostly her stepdad and then she said he was really the only one yelling and that her mom was responding. Tylie couldn't say what they were saying. Tylie said she kind of stuck the baseball bat out there and her stepdad grabbed it and tried to take it, but she held onto the end. Tylee is motioning like she held the end with both hands and that he grabbed the other end with two hands. Tylie stated eventually she fell and he took it into his hands and held it like he was going to do something with it. I asked that when she fell he ended up with the bat and Tylie confirmed that. Tylee said she fell to the ground and then she saw her stepdad take a step back so she thinks her uncle grabbed him and took him back so he couldn't do anything. I confirmed that she saw her stepdad take a step back and she indicated yes that he was really close and then went back. Tylee advised her mom told her to go with JJ, and then she ran out the door. Tylee said she stood there with her little brother. Tylee indicated he was in the front seat, so she opened the door and stood there. Tylee advised he tried to get out, and she was keeping him there. Tylee said eventually her mom came out, and they left from there. Now, I do want to point this out. Tylee's statement and Lori's statement were taken after Lori and Tylee and JJ went to school. Lori drops JJ off, then they come back, then these statements were taken. So Lori had time to get the story straight, in my opinion, on the drive. And 40 minutes worth. Now, there are some similarities to Lori's story and Tylee's, and yet there's still discrepancies. No mention of the phone at all from Tylee, only from Lori, and not from Alex. One of the things she also mentioned is she woke up at 7.50 a.m. and then came out with the bat. Charles, at this point, would be there for approximately 15 minutes, give or take. Then Tylee wakes up. I'll continue on. I asked if she knew what happened inside the house and if her mom had explained it to her. Tylee said she heard a noise and that she knows what it was now but she thought that it was someone taking the bat and hitting it really hard against the floor. I returned to when she talked about putting the bat out when her stepdad was coming at her mom and asked her to describe what was going on. I asked if there was a reason that she put the bat up. Tylee stated yes that he was walking towards her mom and Tylee didn't want him to do anything so she just stuck out the bat tylie described being more next to her mom and not between them tylie said she stuck it out to be like keep your distance kind of i indicated that she said she didn't want him to do anything and asked what she thought he was going to do tylie stated hit her tylie said for the most part that it has been very mundane but there have been a few violent times that she's been scared that he would hit her mom or her tylie said her and him have always kind of never got along since she was little tylie said there have been a few times that they have gotten into fights and she's been scared of that i asked her about when he grabbed the bat and asked her to tell me about that again tylie stated she kind of stuck it out motioning with a two-handed hold tylie stated he said he would go to jail if she hit him with it and tylie didn't really say anything Tylee said she's holding it by the place where you hold it and he kind of took it and Tylee gets lunged forward and she lost her footing. Tylee indicated her mom said just let go and Tylee said she kind of slipped and fell, kind of on her side and after that her mom told her to go so she ran out the door. I asked Tylee if she saw when she fell towards her side, did she see what he did with the bat? Tylee said no, that she wasn't really looking that direction because when she fell the door was more in her line of direction. Tylee said she didn't look back, and I confirmed her stepdad was now in a different line of sight than what she was looking at. I asked about when she saw him take a step back, and I asked that she didn't actually see her uncle pull him back, but it seems like that's what happened. Tylee agreed and stated it didn't seem like he would have stepped back on his own, And Tylee confirmed that made sense as to where her uncle was at the time, that her uncle was behind him and not on the other side with Tylee and her mom. I asked about when that happened and then her mom told her to go. She did see what happened with her stepdad and uncle. Tylee stated no. I asked if after her mom came outside with her and her brother that she never went back inside. Tylee stated she went after her mom came outside with her and her brother that she never went back inside. There is a discrepancy as well as Tylee mentioned earlier that Alex grabbed Charles from behind and now it says it seemed like that was happened but she wasn't sure she didn't see it. It then says Tylee stated she went inside to get her mom's purse from inside so they could have her wallet. Tylee said she went through the garage door and went in and ran to her mom's closet and she didn't see anything or hear anything. I asked when she went inside and got her mom's purse. Tylee advised after her mom came out, and I confirmed it was after Tylee heard the loud noise, which Tylie confirmed. I asked if her mom was outside or inside when she heard the loud noise. Tylee thought for a moment and then stated she believed her mom was inside, but the door opened almost immediately after. I indicated to her that I obviously didn't know everyone, and I asked her to tell me about how the three of them, her mom, stepdad, and uncle, were at emotionally and how they were acting. Tylie asked when it was happening or before, and I indicated when it was happening, like when she came out of her room and he took the bat. Tylee stated his stepdad looked honestly like a crazy person, screaming, and his face was beat red. Tylie stated she saw his face for a split second when he took the bat from her and it didn't look like him, that he looked like pure rage and he was seeing rage. Tylie said that was the craziest she had ever seen him. So now there's a new story added on that Tylee states that she went back into the house to get her mom's wallet after the gunshot. No mention of this from Alex, no mention of this from Lori, only that they left. Tylee stated her uncle was kind of calm, not super calm because it was stressful. Tylee said her uncle was just kind of standing there in the doorway being protective of her mom but wasn't saying much. Tylie said her stepdad was yelling and her mom was just kind of talking. I asked if she remembered what she was saying or what he was mad about. Tylie advised she didn't and was sorry. Tylie doesn't remember what they were really saying and that she just heard yelling. I asked about when she woke up to yelling. I asked who was yelling. Tylie said she knew it was her stepdad. Tylie clarified not when he, she was just waking up but that she remembered he was coming to take her brother and she knew it was him. Tylee also advised she knew her uncle had stayed and she knew that person was her uncle and she obviously knew her mom. I indicated she stepped out of her room and she took the bat with her and asked if there was a reason that she took the bat with her. Tylee stated it was just first instinct. Tylie said she never hit him with the bat or anything and it was for security and in hindsight she probably shouldn't have brought it at all because it caused for trouble. Tylee said it was right by her bed so she jumped up and grabbed it. I asked if there was something she was concerned about that she would have taken the bat. Tylee stated only if he would have been violent towards her or her mom. Tylee didn't plan to take it to do something. She took the bat to have something in her hands to feel safer. I asked Tylie if there was anything that we didn't talk about or I didn't ask about that she believed was important or that I should know. I indicated to her that I wanted to make sure that I didn't miss anything. Tylie stated that was pretty much it. I advised that we could talk again if she thought of anything and explained victim services. I left the interview room and returned after a period of time escorting Tylie to her mother. Now back to the timeline again, if what Tylee says was in fact what happened and she did wake up at 7.50am and heard fighting and then according to the police report Charles was shot at 820 that means the altercation would have lasted for at least a half an hour. Now I don't know about you, but I certainly don't see anywhere a half hour's worth of altercation in any of the statements and what transpired, do you? There are so many discrepancies in their statements and one thing is congruent. They all said that Charles was angry or enraged and they all seemed unfazed by these events as well. Even detectives note their odd demeanor. Now, in my opinion, what I think more likely happened was that charles arrived on scene at 7:30, right on time and that he had this altercation of some sort with alex and whoever else was in the room maybe there was a bat maybe there wasn't a bat with Tylie, but certainly there was something going on clearly with alex the only thing i think is that it happened a lot sooner And Alex waited to call 911 because he wanted to make sure Charles was good and dead. Because that's what zombies need to be. And of course, Lori's infamous demeanor. She's not shocked, in my opinion, because she's been planning this for six months. This look on her face is not bewilderment. It isn't because she's in shock. This face is the look of victory. It's the face that says... I won and I'm a million dollars richer. It's the face of, I knew this plan for the last six months and my plan worked, my conspiracy worked, and here it is, working. Good job, Lori's saying to herself, good job. And I'm getting away with it, just like we planned. I do wonder if there was a little sit down the night before to go over everything and what would take place, at least at a bare minimum you know, secure their plan. Everyone wasn't really in shock. They were just kind of like laddie die. Even Alex on his phone call was like, yeah, so anyway, I uh Yeah, I I shot my brother in law in self defense. I but before that I decided to put my gun back in the room and I also wanted to just dab my head a little bit and then I'm going to go and I'm calling the 911 Just make it sound a little bit like I care just because I called them. But then the operator asked me if I wanted to do CPR, and I was like, you know, nah, I don't feel like it today. Kind of don't feel like it. And then I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna lie, and I'm just gonna act like, you know, just kind of jovial and chat with the officer and just tell him what we kind of thought of and make sure we include the bat and make sure that the bottom line is uh, Charles was super angry. And enraged, everybody get that straight for sure so that they believe the self-defense and then everything's going to be fine from there and that's what happened. So now let's add the coded email to really bring it on home. Here's where I believe this was a planned murder. An ambush like Lori described. I also believe that Chad knew about it and played some role at some capacity. If this is true, then we got ourselves some premeditation. Don't we? Now, before I read this, Charles' death was classified as second degree. I have yet to see anywhere else of anything happening on it other than the fact that there is now a different detective taking this case on, but Alex was alive for 5 months, almost to the day from when Charles died to when Alex died, and no real repercussions now before i read this email there's a few things to remember laurie and chad have known about charles being a zombie for six months at this point she and chad have missions to complete together whenever laurie mentions the word book in this email change that to the word plan laurie references baseball and we know that there was a bat involved She also references stories the audience would relate to. My interpretation is the story she would give the cops and they would believe her. And finally, she references that the book is vital to her success and that's the same thing that Chad had said about Tammy, that her death is vital for him to move forward and have success. So here we go, Lori's email to Chad pretending to be Charles. Hello, Chad. I hope you're doing well. This is Charles Vallow from Arizona. We really enjoyed having you stay with us back in November when you came to preparing a people conference. I appreciated you taking time to talk to me about the book I've been working on. Well, more than six months later, I still haven't made much progress on it, but I feel an urgency to get it done. As the managing partner of Right Planning Group, I'm going to have the opportunity to speak at various conventions beginning in the fall, but everyone says I need to have a book available that summarizes my life and shares the principles I follow. Side note, that's the life insurance policy. So I will cut to the chase. I'm willing to pay you well to help me get this book into shape as my ghostwriter. I really liked your autobiography and the tone you took in sharing experiences without preaching. Is there any way you could come here for a couple of days and help me get the book underway? I feel talking in person would be much more valuable than a phone call or video chat, mainly because I would like you to read through some of my journals and explain to me how the publishing industry works. It would help me to know whether I truly have a book in me and whether you want to team up on it. I played minor league and have plenty of stories that my audience could relate to, along with the knowledge I've gained running my own company, so I do feel the book would contain valuable information even beyond the convention circuit. I'm out of town until Saturday, but I would gladly fly you down here early next week before the holiday and cover your expenses. You could stay in our guest room like before, or in a hotel if you prefer. I hate to take you away from your family, but I know this book is vital to my success. I understand if you don't want to take part in the project. But i would definitely make it worth your time with admiration charles now if this is just face value where's the book Lori? where's the book let's have a chat about that in the comments below in my next video i'm going to talk about the aftermath and charles's murder scene stay tuned for that make sure you hit that notification bell so you can actually be notified of when this is uploaded. Some people are missing their notifications. Don't forget to like, don't forget to share, and don't forget to subscribe if you haven't done so already. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon.